Your employees expect top-tier medical benefits like comprehensive care access, but how can you balance these expectations against rising costs across your full benefits portfolio? Find savings and opportunities in your most highly utilized benefit, your pharmacy plan. Did you know that hospital employees fill 25% more prescriptions each year than other industries? How can you tell if all those prescriptions were needed or if you could have had significant cost savings by filling at your own hospital pharmacies? Tap into these opportunities with an independent pharmacy benefits partner and solutions designed around your unique requirements and resources. Rx Benefits provides pharmacy benefit strategies, from expert advisory services to programs that leverage your hospital pharmacy's purchasing power, all while offering competitive benefits with award-winning customer service. We've been working with hospitals for over 15 years, and our clients range from rural and critical access hospitals to large health systems, with healthcare-specific solutions that make the most of hospital assets and dispensing capabilities. Visit us at employers.rxbenefits.com or click the link in the show notes to learn how to boost your benefits with an optimized pharmacy plan. Asher listeners, welcome to another great episode of the Asher podcast. Here with my other co-host, Bo Bravo, we're still live in Savannah, Georgia at the Ashra Executive Summit. I got to tell you, it's wonderful. Uh, we're just making so many great connections here. And it's not like, you know, the giant conferences that you go to where you get lost in the shuffle and you just kind of feel like you're being talked at. Uh, I really feel like people are making lasting connections here uh, and learning a lot from each other. And one person that we're really looking forward to learning a lot from is Cindy Cronkite. Cindy is the Executive Director of Human Resources at UNC Health Lenore in North Carolina. And we couldn't be more excited. Cindy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. So, Cindy, tell us a little bit about what you're passionate about, just the big change, any big changes or successes that you're making at UNC Health Lenore. Well, one of the things that I'm passionate about is making sure that our employees and our leaders understand the connection of what they do and the impact to our patient, because that's the center of everything. Yep. So every policy, every decision we should be making is how we focus positively on the experience that our patient is going to have. So would you explain a little more to me about that? So I, I imagine what you're saying is this especially matters in the positions that aren't directly care-facing. Right. right. So right. if I'm in IT at the at the organization, that's probably a much different policy. Or mm -hmm. give me an example of how you're how you're structuring that. Well, one of the the examples that I use is a previous leader of mine told me one day she was touring at um, one of the facilities that puts rockets in the air, and mm. she asked the um, the person that was doing the sweeping of the floor what he was doing or what his job there was. And he said, I'm putting men on the moon. Ah. Yes. So even though you don't have a direct relationship to the patient, everything we do connects back and it needs to connect back. And if it doesn't, we probably shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. I've only heard an example like that literally one other time. It was when we had the, the co-founder of JetBlue Airways on the podcast uh, on the Bo and Luke show years ago and how they approached Every, everybody that works in the company is a crew member. Yeah. Right? Same kind of, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you're, if, if you're cleaning the floor, vacuuming the floor in the terminal. 
If that's a JetBlue terminal, you're a crew member. Right. Right. I'm, I'm helping fly customers get from their, get from destination to destination safely. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you don't, you don't really hear that a lot. Like somebody actually bring that up is like, this is what I'm passionate about. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. Well, I think when it comes to employee relations issues, especially if they're interpersonal relationship issues, Mm -hmm. I will use that and say, it's not about me and you. It's about what are we doing for the patient? So it takes the personal part out of it. Mm -hmm. Also, it works really well for managers to be able to explain those kind of nuanced attitude and behavior issues where um, they can say instead of, you know, you have an attitude, you can say when you do X, when you raise your eyebrows at a patient, when you speak poorly to a coworker in the earshot of a patient, that's impacting patient care and that yeah. needs to stop. Yep, for sure. I had a real quick, because I think it's fantastic because this is so important. You wish more people would actually behave, actually lead in this way yeah. to get more people like engaged in what the actual mission of the organization is. And, and it doesn't even have to be healthcare. I had a, a executive leader, CEO, and back during my White House days, and he would look at all the all the staff, the, the support staff, and he was so good at making sure he communicated and talked with them. Mm-hmm. And he would say, listen, if you support those of us who directly support the president, you are supporting the president. Yeah. Right? It's like, yeah, you might not be there every day, but you have team members who are, so you are. Because mm-hmm. you're supporting them. And that's how critical your role is in this organization. And you want to talk about morale, like in really a sense of, I mean, we use the word today, belonging, yes. right? It's like, I'm connected. This is my organization. What do I do? Hey, I support the president, mm-hmm. right? It was, it's fantastic. It's, it's awesome. Cindy, does it feel good that your strategy is the same one they're using at the White House? <laughs> yeah, that feels great. <laughs> and so what I'm hearing, and I really want uh, our listeners to take this seriously because this is an opportunity and this is why I love the show where we can give them actionable takeaways as what to do. So how I heard this is like, so if I'm going to do three things, I love things in three, right? Cause they're actionable. So you're going to give feedback and here's my three bullet points. One, you're going to focus on the behavior that they're doing, right? You're going to tell them exactly what specifically that behavior is. And then you were going to tie it back to your mission and your values, which in this case is patient care. Correct. So if they stick to just those three things, is it not a script? It's three things in a row to touch mm-hmm. on. Then they'll be in a good position to do that. Now, first of all, I love that. How do you um, keep leaders consistent about doing this? Because in lots of organizations, uh, it's really great. For, it seems like it's like the initiative of the of the month, and we do great at it. For a month, right? And then next quarter, that goes away. And then a year later, we bring it back in. Yeah. You know, how how do you keep up with that? Well, I think one of the ways, I mean, that's always the mantra that I use. So it's always in my head. And when leaders come to me with issues about performance in particular, I I don't make assumptions. I ask a lot of questions. Mm. And I use the help me understand or was it this way before? What happened to the last person that did this? Did you want to treat them the same way Mm -hmm. to try to get above the, you know, I really like this employee. I don't particularly like the lifestyle of this other employee, so I might treat them different. So it's really a series of questions that you have to ask and you have to really probe and understand. And then a lot of times they will realize it themselves that maybe they're not going in the right direction that they need to go. Yeah, that is great. 
I, I, and I'd love both of you to talk a little bit more about this because I think you're talking about one of the most nuanced things in human resources that yeah. can get you the best results, right? Is how to consistently, constructively give that feedback in a way that doesn't make somebody to say, oh, well, I'm going to quit because that mm-hmm. person doesn't like me. And to your point to like, you know, piggyback off of what you just said, that's often the case with feedback because if people don't have a plan to provide it in an effective way that is just, you know, not necessarily demeaning to somebody, but, um, it, you know, doesn't come off like you're singling, it comes off like you're singling them out. Culture can take a big hit there. Mm-hmm. Is, um, and I want I have a question for Bo too, and then I want Cindy to go off of this. So what, what, how did, how did that, did they do that feedback in the military? Like yeah. That, or how, uh, uh, how no. was, what was their structure? Hundred um, percent. I think. I think. Honestly, I, I believe having been military, government, corporate world, that a lot of things that that happen in the corporate world, they they can be ten, twenty years um, behind what has already been tried in the in the military, right? Mm. So things are very flushed out. And one of the things, um, and Cindy, Cindy touched on it about in the feedback world, is the questions, right? So the more questions you ask and pointed questions, you actually get the person receiving the feedback almost solving for their own. If yes. there's an issue, you're, sol- you're solving for your own issue. Yes. Right. And it's mm-hmm. all about how the leader in that situation, the person giving the feedback tailors the questions to, to get them to speak and help solve for any challenges that they have. And in the same way, um, just because someone's having challenges in one area, doesn't mean they're not strong in another. Right. Right. So you can ask the pointed questions for them to to help exemplify for themselves where they're really strong. And then that just kind of all feeds the funnel of, oh, yeah, I don't I'm not doing that right or I'm not behaving right over here. But I I know I can because I'm doing fantastic in this endeavor over here. Right. Yes. Um, Yeah. So I think it's important for um, well, leaders at all levels and HR can help help Mm -hmm. them in this scenario. You know, we all we all have challenges personally that impact our work at times and sometimes leaders forget about that and forget about touching base because they they don't want to cross that you know invisible barrier and get too personal with their employees but just having a conversation with them with the help me understand kind of questions may help guide that person in a different direction. And a simple example is people with attendance issues. You know, you clock in 10 minutes late, three days out of the five a week, something's going on and the leader may get very upset about that and be critical. But if they sit down and they point it out to the employee, one, the employee may have no clue that there's a pattern because they're just not seeing it. But if you put their time card in their face, they can say, oh, I guess I, I do have a problem. And then you could try to come to some reasonable solution to help, whether it's, you know, changing if somebody has an ADA requirement, if somebody just is having a bad time, they need EAP or something like that. Yep. I agree. It, it, Cindy, I'm getting a lot of, so Mike Barger, he's uh, the CEO of CMO of JetBlue. Chief. Chief Operations. Chief Operations. Co-founder. Co-founder of JetBlue. He was, uh, that was one of the stories that Bo referenced back to. But he had a, um, a saying that I think is like kind of what I'm hearing from you. And he would say, common sense is not common knowledge. So like what you're telling me is in the <laughs> feedback, there, right? Yeah. yeah. Like the, the process of feedback, like 
how you're going to position it to somebody sounds like common sense when I'm hearing it from you. So mm-hmm. like, hey, Luke, call out specific behaviors. Don't raise your eyebrows. Show them the timesheet. But like most of the leaders out there would be, you know, with the eyebrow thing, they might go, you need to be more approachable. Why are you so unapproachable? Or for the time and attendance, hey, why are you late all the time? Just mm-hmm. stop being late. And that's like the easiest thing to go to. But that's common it's sense. not that simple. Though. Yeah, common no. sense isn't common knowledge because when I'm hearing you tell me that, I'm like, no, that's absolutely the right way thing to do, and it's super easy. Yeah. But if you're not deliberate and intentional mm-hmm. about yeah. the way you do it, yep, it's absolutely. not good for the org. Right. There's a great book out there, and it's what I was I was looking up when I ordered this book and, and read it. It's a very quick read. Um, I think this this author Michael Bungay Stanier. The co- it's called The Coaching Habit: Say Less, Ask More. And change the way you lead forever. Oh, um, and and it's fantastic. Very easy. Very easy to read and grasp the concepts that he's talking about. And I think he kind of like simplified what we're talking about here. But one of his main questions, not to give away the whole book, that you can do as a as a leader when you're when you're coaching and performance feedback is kind of like you're trying to coach the person to help them help them in their help them help them help themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And you ask the question. And then the follow-up question is, and what else, right? Because it makes them stop and think for a moment, did I just give everything in my answer or is there more and what else? Right. And in his experience and in the studies that he did, it's like people, people always tend to actually give more of an answer. Like just by asking them those, those that three-word question, and what else? I love that. I'll have to try that. Yeah. You know, like, so even in, think about employee relations or investigations. Hey, tell me tell me what's happening. Yeah. Like, give me your side, right? And they give you their story. And you pause and you listen and because you're actively listening and you just say, and what else? Right? And it, it, it lets them know that you really want the full. Right. I want everything. I want you to tell me the full story. Yeah. Right? Um, and it can help break down any barriers to their hesitation mm-hmm. to communicate with you. And I thought, wow, that's powerful well, you, and it works. You mentioned active listening. I, I think that's a skill that we use too infrequently. We, we're all busy. We're rushing from meeting to meeting and we don't take the time. We, we, we listen to respond instead of listening to truly hear the person. And that's where you uncover things that you can really help people with is yeah. if you can actively listen. Abs- absolutely. And I think it it's, it's almost human nature for us, especially if you have years of experience, you want to answer, you want to give them the answer to their problem, right? Yes. It's very simple. Luke, come on. This is what you need to do. I need you to go back, go do X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 because you, you, you want to give them that answer, but that doesn't really build. Um, it doesn't help build them and develop them. Right. Right. They got to be able to come up with those things or work in partnership with you Mm -hmm. to come up with those things. You can help drive them. Let them let them feel like they're coming up with the answers. Um, it can it can drastically help improve their performance. Yeah, one of the tools that a, a previous um, boss of mine developed that I absolutely loved with corrective action was the um, it was a handwritten tool that you gave to the employee after the coaching session, and there were two questions: What is my understanding of the expectations, and what is my plan? And they had to articulate themselves what the plan was. So in the case of uh, somebody with attendance issues, uh-huh. maybe they're chronically tardy. Yeah. I, I had actually had one in this organization where somebody said, I'm going to now set three alarm clocks. 
one next to my bed, one halfway across the room, and one all the way across the room so I can get up on time. Yeah. And the beauty of that is then if they continue to have issues, you can go back to them and say, hey, this was your plan. What happened? Why yeah. didn't you follow your plan? And what else do we need to do? Yep. Yep. That is powerful. Yes. And it creates a layer of accountability, self-accountability for the team member. Right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I love this. You were saying uh, earlier, even before the show, all of, and, and even what you have been saying about patient care, it's all about patient care. How do you use, how do you use policy in a positive way to drive the results you're looking for on the patient care side of things? And then what are some of the things, a few actions that you take to make sure policies don't become stale? Mm-hmm. Or they're no longer impactful or effective to drive the patient care that you're, yeah. you're looking for? Well, the organization I'm in now, I've been with for about two and a half years. Policies rotate on a three-year cycle. So there's a lot that are coming up now for renewal, and they're, they're very antiquated. They, they sound like somebody is talking t- down to people mm. the way the policy is written, and it's not an engaging policy. So that's kind of the first take I look at it. Um, you know, you have all the other things you need to address. Is, is, is it legal? <laughs> yeah. You know, those kinds of things. But I want the employee reading it to feel like they're reading something for them, mm-hmm. not that they're reading something that the organization is mandating. So a recent example is we just updated our uh, appearance policy, which is always a tricky one. Uh, did it go completely unflawed? No. Um, but I actually had uh, focus groups of employees and leaders uh, separate to talk about what ex- what was acceptable and what was not acceptable and was able to use that and pull together the policy. So now at least I can say your colleagues were part of this. Yeah. And I think that's really important. I think that's great. So have an expiration date on your policy part of your process to ensure that you're doing a review on that policy yes. to stay relevant. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, Cindy, I want to take us to what is quickly becoming everyone's favorite new part of the <laughs> podcast. Uh, it is the what would you do segment. And we have, I, I think, a good one for you. It's a, it's a little playful and not <laughs> playful. And the law is going to get involved. And we need to know uh, your thoughts on how to handle this. So here's the situation. So you have a surgeon, uh, and obviously, you know, they have surgical techs, and surgical tech is doing a good job. So the surgeon decides that he would like to give her a kitten. It's a gorgeous, pretty little kitten, right? Everyone loves the kitten, and she's very happy. Um, well, she decides, the surgical tech, to give that kitten to her son, which does not make the surgeon happy because that was a gift directly to the surgical tech, he was under the impression that she would be taking care of that kitten. And how dare she give that away to her son? So the surgeon lawyers up and he decides to sue the surgical tech for the kitten back. So Cindy, you are approached by the surgical tech saying, I can't fight this. I don't have unlimited resources to hire a lawyer to bring this in. And I kind of report to this person as well. And now my son is attached to the kitten. Cindy, what do you do? How do you handle this? A lot of listening. (laughs) A lot of listening. Um, You know, so in this case, the surgical tech is probably feeling uh, a little bit bullied because the surgeon is a power person over them. 
Um, and if you're an animal lover like I am, you get attached to animals. And first thought may be, I don't want my son to give up that kitten, and I don't want to give up that kitten. Um, but I think the discussion, I, I don't know legally if this case would have much merit, but if a surgeon has an unlimited um, financial ability to pay for an attorney, an attorney might jump and pick that one up very quickly. Uh, so intervening and having a discussion about how are we going to settle this outside of legal interaction probably is good and having a conversation with the surgeon, but at the same time supporting that person that feels like they are powerless to be able to uh, do anything about their situation. So yeah. you would support, not necessarily take sides. And I don't think, what, right. And, and I, obviously I don't think anyone's taking the surgeon's side on this, are they? Other than the attorney? No. Okay. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, imagine what started as what started as a genuine gift turns into a nightmare, and now you have all of these workplace-related issues that jump into there. Yes. Um, ultimately, ultimately, it sounds like being created by the surgeon, right? Because they're mad, they're upset, mm -hmm. maybe they feel offended. You never know, right? But they took that leap um, of just making it into a really big situation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would have loved to be in attendance in the court should that, uh, you know, should there be a hearing. My imagination goes to like, it's a deep south, like, like with a, like Savannah accent, right? And they're like, ma'am, did you have the right to give that kitten to your son? Uh. <laughs> and I would just be there grinning from ear to the ear. Yeah. The problem, the challenge with issues like that is even if a, so the surgeon files suit. So now there's a suit. Well, a judge, it could get to a judge and they could throw it out. Frivolous, mm -hmm. right? We're not doing this. But it still created, it didn't, that didn't alleviate the problem no. in the workplace. It still caused a problem, right? right? Like the, it could be bullying. It could be harassment because mm -hmm. you want your cat back. You want and the kitten back. And it takes time. And it takes time, right? So emotions are high. Are they still, are they still doing surgeries together? Like in the OR or did you have to separate them? Mm -hmm. you know? Does and it impact that, patient care? It does it affect patient care, ultimately exactly what you were talking about at the beginning. Yeah. And how many other people like you had to get involved because of that? That's it that's the it's a time consuming you right. get paid a, everybody involved gets paid a salary. You know, there's resources now obligated to this issue and it just gets you just sometimes sit back and shake mm -hmm. your head like what are we what is going on? Yeah. Here? These are the things that the Sherm uh, our ASHRA prep courses do not teach you. Right. You have to experience them and work through them on your own or, or try to phone a friend uh, yeah. if you need somebody to be your sounding board. 100% right. That's why we added this segment to the ASHRA podcast because you got to hear that other people are going through these types of things, right? And maybe you learn from what they did or how they, even if it's a method or right. how they approach the situation, right? You may not come up with the same solution, but how you approach the situation because... You don't know from day to day what's going to hit your desk. No, you don't. You really don't. It's part of what I love about this job. Yeah. I told somebody once I really like the employee relations side of HR, and I think they thought I had five heads, but it does keep it interesting, and it's never boring. Yes, yep. it's different every day. Different every day, and sometimes they're cut and dry, and you can apply it very specifically to uh, policy easily, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times they're just not. Um, That's right. Which, yeah, then makes it exciting. Sure does. Sure does. Well, Cindy, 
We really appreciate you joining us on the show. I learned a ton. There's some great actionable takeaways. You're always welcome back on here. In fact, we'd be thank you. We'd be honored if you'd come back and join us. So, what are you going to do? Write me out. Are you going to go walk around Savannah for a little I bit? I wish I could, but I've actually got a webex. I've got to jump on in about 15 minutes. Ah, so. ah work. Yeah, yeah work. Yeah. Well, now you're all pumped up from the uh, the show. That's so right. You're filled with energy and ready to just you know really shine on that webex. Well, thanks so much. Uh, Bo, any closing thoughts? Good no, we just really appreciate you taking time to sit down with us and ultimately sharing with the Ashra listeners to really help them do better uh, in their roles uh, based on your experience. So thank you. Great. It's been my pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Cindy. That's a wrap.